good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Good morning, Mark. How's your coffee? How's your coffee doing? You know, I was just, as I was thinking, I need another batch. I need a second reload. Okay, we'll, we will do that um, after this fascinating conversation. We've got uh, here from Ojai and Get Momentum, Jody and Jason Womack. Welcome. Thanks so much. Very good morning. Wow. And uh, another podcaster on the show. Um we run in small groups together. Is that yeah. what it is? That's right. That's right. Anybody who's consistent and continues to deliver this great content, I got to hang out with people like you. See, so. there you go. That's the the one percenter club. That's right. That's what and I the, love. The other one. Yeah, the I love that. So, are you ever not smiling, J- Jody? Is Jason ever not smiling? No, he's a lot like the Energizer Bunny. He just always <laughs> he, he going. He is like smiling. that. Yeah, full energy all the time. He's two modes, on and off. And oh. Okay, well there you go. Now we know. So, it, 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 and we'll get pictures of you guys, and we'll get. And I so I want one with that smile on because that's a big, big part of it, right? How long have you guys? You, you right now you're working on. You you have a book that's coming out. When's your book coming out? May second. May second. So soon. So someone will have be listening to this later on. They can the book will all by the time this is they'll get the book. I have no. I mean, I have a sense that writing a book and getting a book is a Herculean effort. And then add to that when your co-author is your spouse. Well, no, I'm I'm all for that. By the way, I'm so I I work with my wife, the strategic samurai, and um, I'm of the belief that that it, given a choice, I'd rather do that. A lot of people say, "How the heck do you do that?" But it's like, look at famous creative couples. And there's a lot of examples of famous creative couples. And it's just given a choice. Oh my gosh. It is, it, it's everything. Yeah. Well, there's no gray zone. You either love it and you're all in or you can't imagine doing it. But there's nowhere, there's no middle ground to say, oh, maybe we could, you know, people usually have a very, very strong reaction to it. And I, yes. I encourage people to go with that reaction because you can't convince or train anybody to do like what you and Kimberly do, you know, right. you either do it naturally. And Jason and I have been working. How many we, years? We met in the front row of history class and so in what, college. What, really? Yeah. Twenty-three years ago, we've been we've been working together, hanging together, uh, helping each other together. Okay, now let's go back to the. You're the kids who sit in the front row. Uh, for very different reasons. You want yes. to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is not the first time you've had this observation. Ah uh, no. So Jason was a history major and just oh. f- the the epitome of an excellent student. Took notes, rewrote his notes, went to teacher. What history hours. class was it? This was California history taught oh. by a visiting professor from Oklahoma State. Of all <laughs> what? Mm. Okay. okay. So we actually learned quite a bit about Oklahoma. Uh, most damned state in the union. Anyway, uh, I was in the front row. Is this college? Yeah. Yeah. UC Santa Barbara okay. back in yeah. the day. Yeah. So Jody was in the front row and I'm in the front row because I knew that I, I just wanted to be in it with right. folks. And uh, here I had a visiting professor. It was a topic very near and dear to my heart. 
Jody, on the other hand, you tell a story about when the professors knew you. I knew I could get a great grade in a class if the teacher knew me personally. So you understood relationship economics at an early age. Absolutely. That's a great engineering right there. That's very nice. <laughs> it was reverse yeah. engineering, yeah. and history was not my strong point. But, you know, you may be able to relate to this, that uh, some classes in college counted for so many different types of uh, requirements, writing right. requirements and state history and, you know, all those things. So this one class can't, covered like five requirements. So that's why I was there in the front row. And the net net of it was, and this is, I think, a, a topic we want to talk about today for couples who run businesses together. Jody and I started by editing each other's papers. Oh. And so Jody oh. was studying environmental studies. She was studying commercial architecture. At the time, I was writing a thesis on the restoration of wolves to Yellowstone. And what we did really? was we would write, and then this was back in the day when you had to reserve time in the computer lab to go type oh, and print, oh. and then <laughs> wow, we would exchange our papers. So Jody would take mine home, and I would take hers back to the huh? dorm. Huh? The next morning, we would exchange back, hey, here's the edits on your work. Right. If I look back and reverse engineer that, Patrick, as you were saying, no. what we were able to learn to do was I'll edit her work, I'll criticize the work, not the person. And you anybody right who's up. about to go right into business together in any kind of a relationship, I have to be able to comment on what you did and separate that out from who you are. And that significance has, has lasted us 22 and a half years now. Our saying for that is the best idea wins. Nice. Right. It's like and, and, and we get we get into it. Right. Because there's a creative struggle that happens as well. Right. And, and that idea wants to win. Right. And there's a lot behind that idea. But it's you've got to be open. Is that the best idea for this thing? And you mentioned a moment ago the book that Jody and I have coming out. We have a, a saying. Um, you have a great saying of how we wrote the book when someone says, so how was it writing a book together? So maybe you'll tell that story. So it really goes to our own personalities, but Jason wrote the book and I deleted it. So <laughs> he would write okay. thousands of words and I would edit them down to just the core message, just mm. the core point, the one story and the one takeaway. And so we, we did this create and destroy, create and destroy. And we do that personally as well. Just Jason has a million ideas and I'm like, this is the one I can do. Like, so we, we complement one another in that way. And Mark, just to add on to what you say, where the best idea wins, our saying is we're smarter together. Mm -hmm. So one idea can be good, but once we both get to play around with it, it gets to be better. And that's what we're... That's and the and that's what you want, right? Exactly. I mean, it's um, if, if a core value is collaboration, then that's what it looks like. You know, you've got to, you know, you know that that thing at the end is going to be better as a result and there's going to be challenge in that. I hear that word collaboration a lot and actually for me it fits in the middle of three. I think there's co-working, collaborating, and co-creating and I think out there in the market... Hey, just slow down. Co-working, co collaborating, co okay, collaborating, and then co-creating. Okay. And a mistake we're seeing, and I know I'm just diving straight in here, but I want to give folks a takeaway. 
be careful that you're not calling something what it's not. So people working together in a large room that doesn't have walls, that's not that's necessarily collaborating. That's co-working. Right. And the research over and over is saying that that kind of a work style is actually more distracting than some other work environments. So I'm co-working, collaborating, co-creating. I think ultimately we're all well, trying so to get to that third one. what's the difference between collaborating and co-creating? Uh, for me, creation the has the, the production part of it. So I collaborate on an idea. The idea creates a product or a service. We need to co-create what that product or service is back to the market. We're expressing what we've collaborated on. And maybe or maybe not, we built that by co-working with one another. I mean, look, at if I overhear someone in a conversation, she or he's talking to some customer or vendor or somebody else, sure, I can get an idea on that co-working together. Then we go get a coffee, we go for a walk, we sit in a room, collaborate together. What does the market get? That's the co-creation part. You know, I, I, I like that distinction. Uh, I'm in a process right now with a client who's reinventing how they work. And, and it's, they've worked a certain way for 150 years, literally. And now they're re-engineering that to say, we need, they call collaborating, they call it a, a dream session, actually, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. And do we have the right people in for this dream session to where we can, we don't have to make anything, we just have to really understand the human condition, the human challenge, and then come up with ideas. And then, the exp- and then they call them expressions, which is the co-creating. Let's make the things are going to get that out into the world. Thank you for that distinction because that that helped me draw points between those two. I just got a, a book in the mail yesterday from a buddy of mine, Burkus, called Under New Management. And he did a lot of research on this co-working, collaborating, co-creation. He has different words for it. Right. You know, I think the book that really jumped out at us, of course, the Steve Jobs biography of talking about that the was, Pixar days. Which um, one? The, uh, by... Um, the guy who wrote the biography Walter. of Walter Isaacson. And even the one that came out by the CEO of Pixar talking about creativity, Creativity right. Inc. Right. And talking about building these spaces, co-working, for me, different than collaborating, different than co-creating. And I was like to ask people, what are we trying to do? And Jody and I are co-creating. We have an academy. We have a retreat. We have a book that came from the collaboration that came from working side by side with people. I am uh, really interested in how you handle conflict. Another C <laughs> Everybody <words>. is, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, do, how do you do that? Because that's, that, you know, you're creating, there's, there's so many different choices you get to make and their conflict happens through that. Do you have some, and I, I'm, I'm also big on takeaways. So the person who's listening to this, I want them to, you know, take a note. I listen to your podcast. What's the name of your podcast? Your best just got better. There you go. And you actually have a stop and do stuff when I don't do that here, but what, what's their, your lessons on uh, dealing with conflict with the two of you? Something comes up. Well, let's repeat what we've said just to give folks, if you have to stop listening now, there is the best idea wins. Yeah. There is we're smarter together. Yeah. How we handle conflict, I want the best for my best friend. I, okay. I want her to shine. 
So when we're in a venue, when we're in an event, when there's pressure, when there's stress, when there's something going wrong, I have that feeling of, oh, I think I have a better idea. Hold on a second. What will serve her the best? And so I had someone share with me, he says, Jason, want your partner to be the best version of themselves, and there will be something you can do to help. This is, um, it's, it's interesting that that's exactly what we're taught in improv. <laughs> in improv, on it's stage, it's, build each other it's up. all about the other person. How do I make it easier for them rather than me trying to be smarter, funny, or clever, or whatever? It's Out in the them. lobby, you've got a, a ping pong table. There's two ways to play ping pong. One is to hit the ball to the opponent so they can't return it. Another way is to hit the ball to the partner so they can return it. Well, what kind well of game played. do you want to play? Right. Well played. Okay, so that's how you handle conflict? That's one of the ways. Okay, right? <laughs> okay. Jason and I both also have master's degrees in psychology. Uh-oh. I know. Okay. And so a lot of times we're not arguing about what we're arguing about, right? What does that mean? So Jason will have an idea and I don't like it, and so that, prompt, that sparks a, a conflict, a, an argument. What's really behind it? You know, what it, what's underneath? Why am I so upset about what it is that mm. he's saying yes to? That's mm. usually what it is, 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 the, is the amount, the volume, the quantity that we allow into our worlds. Because everything we say yes to means we don't get to do something else or we don't have a, a day off. Or, you know, there's sure, sure. It's that management of life and energy and resources and all that. So really, usually between the two of us, it's if you say yes to this, this means something else gets delayed or canceled you know so knowing where the upset comes from is really helpful so we know why mm. why we're having this argument because it's not about a po another podcast or another interview or that's another the opportunity. thing right that's just the the trigger right. that's right. The, the match to the flame we were sharing on our drive in this morning that one of the takeaways we can give i, I have two quote-unquote rules one's called 30 30 one's called 90 90 when I do these two things, it actually gets us ahead and reduces the potential for conflict. So 30-30. Every morning I look at my calendar, I find a 30-minute window. I work on something that's not due for 30 or more days away. So you'll, you'll find something. We'll get this right. So I'll find something in that list I already have because I know you're... I'll look at my calendar. I'll look at upcoming events. I'll go out 30 days, 35 days, 50 days. And I ask myself, based on this calendar, 45 days from now, whatever that is, more than a month, what will I wish I had started working on sooner? And you do that every day? I do that every morning. So there's 30 minutes today I'll spend on something that's not due for 30 or more days away. And the reason that came up is we find so many people are surprised and have these emergencies based on what they know is coming towards them. Right, right. And we, in our experience, there's a lot coming towards us that isn't on the calendar. So how much can we handle in advance that we know is due? Articles, blog posts, you know, any kind of writing right. deadlines. How do we right. handle all those meetings, travel plans? You know, making an airplane reservation shouldn't surprise us. <laughs> <laughs> right, but we know that trip is on the calendar. Right, but we find so many people get surprised by what they know is already coming, and we just do it out of ease and making our life easier. That there's enough coming at us that we don't know 
Mm. right? All those great mm. opportunities or website goes down or, you know, like all that random stuff. So how do we handle what we know we have so that we're better prepared and more relaxed and have more resources to handle the surprise, the actual surprises? And I know, Mark, we're kind of dancing around, you know, how do you handle conflict? There's really two times to handle conflict. One is what can I do ahead of time to right. reduce right. the potential right. that right. conflict arises? Yep. That's my first choice. Yep. First choice. <laughs> yep. Plan. Versus yeah. when conflict arises. It's like when I'm working with an organization and they'll say, Jason, we work, we're a highly interruptive culture. How do I tell someone not to interrupt me? I said, it's too late. Right. right. I mean, someone right, comes right, in right. and knocks on your door and says, do you have a minute? That's the got a minute. It's not the time right. to teach them. We needed to have done that before. Didn't you do a show on got a minute? I did. I, I thought did. you did. It was one yeah. of the more popular ones. Yeah. Now, real quick, if 30-30 is 30 minutes a day on something that's not due for 30 or more days away, 90-90 – for me is once a week. And this, I think, has been the big uh, help for Jody and I, because what I'll do is I'll look at the calendar a quarter out, a semester out, and I'll start asking myself, what are the things that we will wish we had started working on sooner? Let me go meet with Jody and say, hey, it's May. I'm looking at this thing for August. Is there anything that we could decide on, talk about, should we spin out of some things based on what's come up in between then? This, to me, has been a huge help in getting ahead but reducing potential for conflict. Because all conflict is is a discrepancy between what she thinks and what I think we should be doing. Fair enough. And for me, it makes strategic thinking and long-term planning and all those very businessy, businessy kind of terms <sighs> practical. I right. can look at my calendar three months out and say, oh, wow, we should we should put together a back to school offer or a holiday pitch or, you know, Christmas shouldn't surprise us <laughs> right. every year. Same time. Right. You know, but a lot of times it's like end of November. Do, oh, are we doing God. cards for clients? Are we doing this? Should we right. make an offer? And now we're in the hustle, bustle, crazy holiday season. That's not fun. I don't want to be there. What if we thought about Christmas in August? And said, okay, we're going to have a holiday plan. We're going to have a, a gathering, you know, and, and actually have some bandwidth to think about what would be fabulous. You also, well, you just get to be the ones who make, who call the weekend. You know what I mean? Like, like everybody's got a holiday party. We know there's going to be a holiday party. Well, who gets to be the one who chooses, kind of sets that agenda? It's the people who planned it in August. You know, who took 90 minutes in August to say, you know what? How about the third weekend? Yep, that's the one we want. And we get we get that we we go camping a lot. We do the same thing. Like if we if you want your friends to come camping with you because it's more fun, you've got to be the one who makes the thing. And then they get to be impromptu. They get to be the improvisers who who look at it Thursday afternoon and go, yeah, do you want to go tomorrow? Okay, maybe. Thank God, you know. And it's that whole like grocery shopping. You know, why do you grocery shop so that on Sunday you'll have food? You don't have to go to the store. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're taking care of the future self. Yeah. In in the military, we, we do a lot of work with military. Um, they call. Were you it, in the military? No, I was not in the military. But you work with you have I, government I, contracts. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So we work with the Air Force, we work with the Navy, uh, National Guard. They have a term called decision fatigue. Yep. And oh. through mm -hmm. the process, what they're looking at is how few decisions can we force ourselves to make in real time. Because the fewer of those, the more on we can be. And I challenge anybody listening to this right now, watch yourself through a day at how many decisions you put yourself in the have to make that decision now. 
versus how many of those things can I have pre-thought? Not because I want to organize every single part of my life. I always say I love spontaneity. I also like to have had food in the fridge so I can be spontaneous at what I create. Right. Sure. We we get we got this just the other night in going to the uh, going to a restaurant and being walked in to sit at the table, and and both of us being at the end of a long work week but just trying to treat ourselves to dinner, and having the meter deep like, well, is this table okay? And we stood in the middle of a restaurant. <laughs> I don't know. With, I, is it okay with you? I don't know. Is it okay with you? I, I literally don't care. So then we finally picked the table, and it's like, well, which side would you like to sit on? And it's just like, you, it's that decision fatigue where you're both just looking at each other like, I just signed a huge contract today. I had to like negotiate a, I really can't would even figure. Would you put the food on my food? I don't even want to look at the menu. Just, just feed me. Just right. sit me at either. Just pull a chair out. I'll sit down. I really don't want to even. And that's and that's that thing where it's like that's a full decision exhaustion when you've lost the ability to make that even small thing. And I'll share. I fought against this because I really thought it gave up a lot of the creati- creativity yeah. and the spontaneity, but. Um, not wanting to plan out meals and my outfits and you know all those like very creative expressive things but i'm finding i if i'm doing deciding at the end of the night what i'm going to make for dinner or what we're going to do it's exhausting and things just get hard and that's where conflict comes from so again it's how do we remove the conflict episodes so does that it also free you then to actually worry about real things of yeah. creativity yeah absolutely yeah well we're finding this just in the past six to 12 months we've added staff to handle oh. projects oh. and we've gone from kind of freelance maybe two three four people helping us jody just made a list we have 25 people really on projects for us literally around the world really we're going to sleep at night. We're waking up the next morning. We have three or four major projects moved forward that we were able to relax, refresh, rejuvenate, forget for now, not forever, but to let go of some of these things so that we can be thinking at this higher level. You just said yesterday, Jody, that you're thinking more creatively now that we have systems in place, which seems paradoxical. Right. Having people and a system to pass things off to so that I don't have to have all of those juggling right. balls in the air and me managing them has been really helpful in getting more excited about creative work. And mm. it comes from looking, for me, it comes from looking at the cal- the calendar or the to-do list, whatever works for you. We know that from May 23rd until June 20th, we have the front window of the Fifth Avenue Barnes & Noble in New York City. Do you? Yeah. We know that. Oh, congratulations. That should not surprise us. We can't be thinking on the 22nd, what do we want to put in the window on Fifth Avenue? Because by then it'll be too late. How does someone get in that window? You what make a you couple of phone do? calls. You, uh, you help them help you. So as authors, we reached out to Barnes & Noble and said, hey, what would it take for us to get our book in the front cover, front window of that store? Turns out that's a question you can just ask. You can, right? Because I just raised my hand. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and what they said was if we pass orders of your book through our store for your clients, depending on how many books you order, you get how many weeks you want. So then we went to our so client volume, list. Book, book sales in volume. Oh, got big, it. Big, okay. Big Started got reaching it. out to clients saying, how many books would you like? How many books would you like? We'll bundle books with seminars and workshops. Maybe we'll talk about that later. We got enough book orders through the 
New York bookstore to get the front window for a month. Then we got enough book orders through the Boston Barnes & Noble for the front table. So when people huh. walk into this bookstore for right. two weeks, they'll see our book up sure. there first. Let's talk about books for a second because books are – the whole book world, we, we had a little glimpse into it well, three years ago. We, we ran a network called AuthorNet, and it was for the people who do the um, – what do they do? They condensed books, the subscriptions, and I forget the name of the company, but they hired us to come out and run their conference, and we got to sit there for three days and listen to the business of writing books. And my takeaway was I'm never going to write a book <laughs> because the, the amount of work you do, it's like the book is an expression of the platform the idea, and the idea is that there's a foundational piece to that platform, which is, to your point, it's um, it's events, it's trainings, it's seminars, it's coaching, it's it's all of this other stuff around this idea, and the book is a $10 calling card. Agree or disagree? I was going to say, it's a, it's a business card people throw away later than they throw away my regular business card. <laughs> No, nobody throws away books. That's the point, is they live forever on a bookshelf. They get passed on. They get donated to the libraries. But Jason and I were nodding our heads, yes, 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 as you were saying that, because it is like starting a new business. You need to have a team. There is very little chance that a person will write a, a book and have it be a bestseller without a team effort behind it. There is marketing, PR, um, Secrets, list making. Yeah. How many you know, have you done? This will be the second book with our current publisher, Wiley. That'll be my fourth book. Total. Wow, so you keep going back to the well on this. You haven't learned your lesson? <laughs> what we have found is that I get about three or four years of Jason's the guy that. Oh. I keep shifting and changing. Sure. If I don't put something out to the market that says, hey, here's what I'm thinking about these days. Right. Or when I put something to the market that says, here's what I'm thinking about these days, that's when we get the call back. Jason, we got your old book. Looks like you have a new book. Will you come talk about that one? I think you'd have great books to write, Mark. It's just a matter of when you're ready for that whole PR expression of your businesses uh, because it's not – a new concept. Our book has never been like, oh, here's a new idea we have. It comes from doing hundreds of podcasts, articles, interviews, and then you take the, the ideas that people retweet and, and repost and ask you questions about. It's like, oh, that's where the interest is. Let's, right. let's really flush that whole story out. We'll both attend each other's presentations. So if Jody's on stage, I'm going to do everything I can to be in the audience and vice versa. And yes, we're watching each other. Generally, we're watching the audience right. at when they respond right. to something that Jody said. That's what I write down. That's what I want to go back and talk to her about that night. Hey, Jody, you told that one story and you had people on their edge, or mm. you told that one story mm. and they all laughed. So we just start picking those stories. The next book that we wrote called Get Momentum, it's half the size of my previous book, it's 128 pages. And what we realized is that people only want to consume a little bit, but the most important part you mentioned a few moments ago, what do I do? How right. do I do right. with? I've listened to the 805 conversations. I've gotten a couple of those under my belt. What do I do? Oh, I think about this that way. I do this activity that way. I pull a group together to do this. Just thinking of the ones that I listened to. Of no, no, exactly, right? Um, how long did you debate the title? Moments. Mo oh. Moments. So we it's like it. when you when you hear it, you know it, right? Um, the first book I wrote, 
uh, the, the story behind that is a South by Southwest uh, conference in Austin. Do you still go? So we went for several years. We skipped last year. Who knows what we'll do next year? And uh, we were at the conference, and it was one of those rainy April days in yep, Austin. Yep. I open up the workbook for all the classes, and yep. there's one called From Blog to Book. Mm. Oh. And I thought, well, I, and have, you a, were a blogger. I have a blog. Yeah, That's yeah, a sure. well, I'd That's like a to write a book. Great workshop name. <laughs> so I hustle across Austin. I sit in this course, and ultimately the story unfolds. I wound up meeting the publisher at Wiley. He gave me a crack at submitting a proposal. They signed oh. off on the proposal. Oh. Well, the name of my po- my blog was Your Best Just Got Better. Got it. The name of the book became Your Best Just Got Better. And I bet the your podcast pl- is called the that. Podcast, everything, T-shirts, everything. you have a tattoo? Dot com. <laughs> Talk- <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Dot com. So when it came to this book, four years ago, we'd started an online academy for the participants of our seminars and workshops so they could stay in touch with us month to month. Right. Realized I was going out doing these awesome workshops. Jody heard the comments of people at the end of a day we thought, how do we continue that? How do we keep that moving forward? So we created the Get Momentum Leadership Academy. Well, when I sold the book proposal, it was Get Momentum. Right. And I figured if people would pick up the book called Get Momentum, if they'd go to a website called getmomentum.com, they might join a program called Get Momentum. I'm just trying right. to use that word as many times as I can. Yeah. We'll but, edit but you them get all that. out. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what did it for me was people say, oh, I need that. Oh, my husband. When you he, would tell oh, them the you know, title of the book. That's a great, when oh. you, when people respond strongly to yeah, a title. Sure. The worst is when you say the title and there's just crickets. Then you go, oh, there's no juice there. It's not right. compelling. It's not right. juicy. You need something where people say, oh, tell me more. I want to stay with that for a second because I, I think uh, naming is so important. I mean, it's, it's critically important uh, in any collective activity giving it a name, like a team name is really, really, I've been a big fan of team names we're on, whatever, it doesn't matter, just give it a name, and that makes a huge deal. Um, I wanna just shift for just a second to TEDx, because TED, uh, the first thing you need to do is come up with a theme for that event. We're, we run TEDx Santa Barbara, and I know you're a TEDx organizer, you've done TEDx Women and TEDx, what was the other one, Topa? TEDx Topa Topa. What is a Topa Topa? Well, it means gopher in Spanish, but uh, Topa Topa are our mountains in Ojai, California. Uh, that's when you used to have creative names. You can't do that anymore. It would have to be TEDx Ojai. Yeah, but they wouldn't let me have that one, so I had to get Oh, creative. see how you are. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, the first thing we found, because we're d- going to do an event um, later this year, What's the theme? We can't do anything until we have that theme, and then everything rocks. You don't around. know who to invite. You don't. You don't know, know anything, mm-hmm. right? You don't know anything, and so having that is such a critical piece. Um, you said I had stories in me, or oh, I had books yeah. in me, so I'm on a 66-day uh, challenge, and uh, we had to pick three things to do in that challenge. I started a week ago, and it's towards a 20-year goal, which you'll appreciate. What do I want to do in 20 years? In 20 years, I want to hand each of my grandchildren at their wedding the story of my life. Oh, nice. Okay? Just so I'm writing it for three people. Okay? Well, to start on that, I've got to collect the stories. And to do that, I've kind of got to, like, what have I done? And and I've done a lot, but I've not written it down. So I start my 30 minutes every day um, writing all of those things down. 
but I had to give it a name. I'm just weird about names. So the effort is called story catcher. So that that just, when I say that, people go, oh, they get it. To your point, they understand in a second you don't have to explain it. Mm -hmm. Hence, I predict that, so get momentum, it's, there's, it's the hashtag. You own that, I mean, own it means anytime they do that, they're gonna come to content that you do. Yes. So let's shift then a little bit to how all of this is a business because the people who listen to this, they're entrepreneurs or the business people or they've got this idea, they're working wherever they're working and they go, God, if I could just go be in control of my life and I've got a great idea, how, how do you make it a business? Everything I do is market driven. I won't do anything unless I believe I can sell it and that there's someone out there to buy it. Yep. Let me tell a short story and then we'll get to the get momentum. Okay. So, 2007, Jody and I start our firm. We basically have a web domain name and us. Yep. That was it. Okay. Uh, no products, no services, no no real branding other than WomackCompany.com. 2007. Yep. So I went to my garage. <laughs> Just before the Christmas. Yeah, we're going to get to that part of the story. So 2007, I go to my garage, my closet, and my desk in my office, and I found 100 companies, products that I'd ever bought something from. Huh. From you Toyota, I did. Yeah. From Toyota to specialized bicycles, I'm going to do a whole bunch of uh, branding here, um, to Cole Haan shoes, to, to Levi pants, to, to Brooks Brothers shirts, didn't matter. If I found a hundred companies I'd ever given my money to. Yeah. I went to the web, yeah. LinkedIn, Jigsaw, Google, and then I made a list of 200 people, two people per company, yeah. that would be most likely to hire an external trainer. So there's people in talent development, training, oh, HR. Sure. And then I wrote handwritten letters, 200 handwritten letters to these people that I found online. Hey, Susan, I see you're the training manager at company XYZ. Yep. And the handwritten letter had three parts, Mark. It had who I was, a little bit of background, what I'd been doing for the past 15 years. Yep. And then the third paragraph was, does your company have a training or development need if you do, what would you call the class and how much would you pay? Huh. Figured I had nothing to lose. Sure. We started getting calls back. One call came from a company 14 miles from Ojai. It's an outdoor clothing company, some of you might know. And they said they needed a class on effective presentation skills. I've been in front of stages since I was about 13. I put together a four-hour class. Oh, not only did they tell me what the class was, they told me what their budget was. Because you asked them. Because I asked them. Mm. So with Get Momentum, I've been doing classes, I've probably done 23, 2400 courses on workplace organization, productivity, working together, co-working, collaborating, co-creating. We started listening three, four years ago. At the end of courses, what were people saying? Ah, oh, I feel like I've got momentum. I don't want to lose momentum. Right. You, right you've given right, me right, the ability right. to get momentum. And we kept hearing this word momentum. I said, Jody, go buy the domain. Yeah. Uh, they gave they gave you the, the they were the research. Brilliant. Anytime you can get your customers to tell you the language <laughs> that they describe oh, their absolutely. problem in, yeah, 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 yeah. write that down. Yeah. Because then you're not using technical terms or, or industry speak, you're using the language of how people want to interact with you. I want to pause there because that lesson is so huge for the person who's listening right now. If you're trying to sell something, uh, people like who they're like. People, um, they, they like to hear their words. Um, you'll notice I've been, the, our listener doesn't know, but I've been taking notes. I know you're, you both are very good note takers. Um, I would encourage the person listening 
if you're not a note taker, become, become a note taker. And what I do is I actually try to get literal quotes for what people say and then get in the habit of asking the questions. To your point, what would you call the, do you need training? What would you call the class? How much would you pay? And now when you come back and you say, um, and I didn't write down the name of that class, but it was in presentation. I know I understand you'd need a class in presentation skills and you're willing to pay $1,875 for that. I happen to have a course. Can oh my, I send you the oh outline for gosh, that? Oh my gosh, really? That's exactly what we need. And it's in their language, not your language. And it, I think it shows a, to your point, market-driven, but that you're really listening to what the person wants. Because when you're solving that problem, there that idea that I'm selling or forcing or convincing them to get something that they don't want, which people feel is a little slimy maybe, or manipulative. So no, I, I'm giving them, I'm helping them. I'm making the world better as a result. So, and I can feel good about that. And, and I'm always listening for that from people, whether I'm talking to them in line at the coffee shop or next to them on an airplane or in a conference, people describe the experience of the product. What they buy is the experience of the product. When I go to Disneyland, I don't pay for a ticket. I pay right. for the experience of having right. lunch in the Pirates, of right. going through Star Tours. I, I don't come back and say, look at this ticket I got. Right. I describe the experience of that. And so what I'm looking for is if I can get people to tell me the experience they want, I'll go find the product that will serve that experience. I think people do it the other way. Right. I'm trying to connect the Patrick, the dinner story. Right. Yeah. They were trying to give you the product of a table and then the product of placement at the table and then the product of what the specials were. You just wanted the experience of not having to think. Our, f our favorite restaurants in Seattle run by a, a, an Iranian man named Mike. And and when you walk in, he just sits you down wherever he puts you. And he says, what don't you like? And you go, I, I don't really want any shrimp. Oh, I love and then that. he just and then he sends his people out with just one course after another. You'll end up eating like eight courses, and then he just counts how many glasses of wine you had, and he gives you a little ticket for it. And you're just like, that's all. That's it, man. That's the restaurant model that is. And there's a there's a bunch of people that use that model, but it's like that's the model. If we go out on a on a whatever night, it's like all I want is not to make. I want the experience. You, want to be cared for. you know what I want. want I want to eat, eat dinner. And you want I want to eat nice dinner experience. in a comfortable place. This is exactly what you're saying. Like make it in advance. Know that I'm going to come and eat dinner with you. Just and what's great about this is it works for a product, it works for a service, right. it yeah. works for a volunteer organization. My stepmom used to run the, uh, they changed the name, to Celebrate Life Cancer F uh, Foundation up in Marin County. And we realized that all of their events, their volunteers were always focused on the event, the mm -hmm. product. They were on that evening. And when Jody and I came in and did some advising and just coaching work with them, right. we started having them interview a day later, a week later, a month later, I said, call 50 attendees and ask them what they remember. Right. Because mm -hmm. they're not going to remember that there was valet parking out front. Nope. They will remember that from the moment they walked in, they were cared for. Mm -hmm. Right. What's the experience that you want people to have with Get Momentum? Movement, action. At the end of the day, I want people to look back and say, I did me. It, it, made, it made me do something. I did me. I, I did, did me. what, what I'm mean? on the planet to do. I, I think that, that my experience of it, and this came from my own experience, for years I would end the day reflecting on what didn't get done that day. Uh 
Uh-huh. I'd end the day remembering everything that I didn't finish. I could have done 219 things, but oh, there were yeah, those yeah. two I didn't get to. And then the self-talk started. Sure. Jody mentioned our degree in psychology. I actually studied self-talk. I studied the impact of negative self-talk on human performance. Because oh. it's not a matter of if we talk to ourselves. It's how much, how loud, and what's it about. So I started a process. What do I want people to get from it? At the end of the day, look Experience. back on your day. I've got three challenges for people. Remember something you accomplished. Acknowledge somebody for the awesomeness they did. And do some kind of a gratitude. Now, whether you do that out loud, in writing, with your partner, whether you just meditate on that, what did I finish today? Who helped me along the way? And what am I thankful for? If that's what people get when they get momentum, I think they can rest. I, 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 people have told me they rest, they relax, they rejuvenate, they refresh, right. and I'm going to go and give it a go tomorrow. doesn't mean I lower my standards at all. Not at all. Let's talk about refresh and renew for a second. Um, we were just recently challenged with answering the question, what does that look like in our lives? Like when I'm literally doing nothing, like staring at the butterflies out the window. Honestly, we didn't do well on that. We don't just stop and do nothing. Like how, how do you coach someone on that renewal, refreshing? Because even meditating, I'm doing something. I'm meditating. I'm Doing, I'm practicing doing nothing. Thank you for saying that. Right? Right? So, because so, uh, I have a challenge whenever some, someone says, Jason, I want time to do nothing. It's bull. There's another part of that sentence, right? You don't want to do nothing. You want to do something that you can't do because you're too busy, stressed out, overwhelmed, or overworked. If I have time to do nothing, I want to sit and read a book. I want to go for a walk with my dog. I want to watch a TV show. But I'm going to even take it, but that's still doing something. So there's I this want to sense meditate. where you are, I want to where do you're completely yoga. neutral, and I'm just enjoying being a human right now, and I have no agenda. This is like even relaxing is an agenda. And, and I don't know if such a space exists. I'm really challenging this. Oh, I think it exists. I think it's really beautiful when you're just wandering in with, like you were saying, no agenda, no, I'm bird counting, I'm, you know, doing 10,000 steps. Like, no, no, really, right. you're going to put all of those good practices down for a moment. And whether it's five minutes or an hour, you're going to go see where you are. It's, it's a big thing because Jason's it is a big very, thing. we get very, very busy and our world rewards accomplishments. Yes. Running, running marathons, doing triathlons, doing all those things. Those are great things. Uh, the world doesn't reward rest and relaxation and Correct. rejuvenation and and uh, dreaming. You know, daydreaming. So, so I think, like when we talk about doing the thirty thirty and the ninety ninety, all those we work really hard so that we can unplug. And whether that means going to work out or sitting on the beach and watching a sunset and just being there. I think everybody gets to choose how they show up for that. But it's so nice knowing when things are handled so that you're not worried on one side of your head and trying to enjoy the sunset on the other. No, I'm, I'm it, it, yes. Because your book is all about get momentum, doing things, start, get going, go, 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 go. And I'm seeing that there is a very, very good argument for not doing and this is recent for me, and it's um, it actually specifically goes to sleep. 
because it's like the badge of no, I only get two hours of sleep a night. The I Bill, the Bill up, Clinton, that's right? Bill Clinton's big right? advertisement. Exactly. I was like, yeah. oh, he sleeps two hours a night. That's why he's so successful. Yeah, and in fact, when you look at the science of it, and you look at REM sleep, and you look at night. Well, I just learned about ninety-minute sleep cycles. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna take a nap, nap take a ninety-minute nap. Um, and then sleep in increments of 90 minutes. So you're going to do six hours, seven and a half hours, or ideally nine, nine. hours. And I looked at the guy and I says, okay, you're on crack. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep nine hours. But what I, what I do now, and I just learned this seven days ago, okay? okay? And so when I'm, uh, and I'm on this 66-day project, so I go to bed and I just say, set, I tell Siri, set the alarm for seven and a half hours from now. And then I wake up and all week long, it's either six or seven and a half, I haven't done nine, I wake up refreshed because I was the science of sleep was explained to me that even if I can't mentally figure out how to hit the pause button, my body does know how to do it. And when you're laying down, all this rejuvenative stuff happens. And if you don't allow for that in your life, you can't get the momentum you need. I think there's two things on my mind where an X marks the spot. One is information and one is intention. Once the information map that comes towards you matches the intention you have, your intention wasn't to sleep more, I'm guessing. Right. Your intention is, I, I want to feel more alive. I, I want to yes. have more energy. I want to yes. be more available to the planet and be able yes. to do what I wanted to do. Yes. The information I've got isn't enough. So you started looking. Uh, two books that I could give you. One is uh, by a guy named Moss called Power Sleep. That's where I learned about power, power sleep. sleep. And this guy for 30 some odd years has been studying. He, he's awake when we're asleep because he's watching us. That's what he does. And then the other one was actually published by the U.S. government. It's called Mind Wars. And it's the research that the military, specifically the U.S., has done with how little sleep can our troops function. Hmm. They've, they've studied this. This idea of information matching intention goes to another piece because here's a takeaway when people say i want time to do nothing i want to just be they don't have a reference point for that the first place i give them as a starting point I say, here's a piece of paper and a pen give me 100 things you would do if you had time to do nothing okay i i can i've done it right i would meditate i would watch a episode of lie to me i would go for a walk with jody i would write a letter to my mom i would there's no end to that now a magic time shows up a meeting gets canceled there's light traffic so i get somewhere early something happens i go oh look i have 15 minutes to do nothing no i'm not going to do nothing what have i come up with that would match intention do you keep that list with you now i just have it now i just sure. i just have it but um when i do it with clients i'll, I'll give them you know here's my sample um because the, 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 the content is not nearly as important to me as the intention behind it underneath that is what does the doing nothing do to feed you the first question of momentum and i feel compelled to to bring this to the table the first question of momentum we ask people the answer is what do you want to be known for we call that what tracks do you want to leave? So what do you want to be known for? I don't want to Most be known people as don't the know friend. that, right? Most people don't know that. Right. Or when you introduce yourself, right? I mean, you go to a networking event. There's three questions people ask you generally in this order. What's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm the guy that walks up. I just look at your name tag because it already said all yeah. those things. Yeah. I go to the question number four. What would you like to be known for? 
That's, is that your go-to question? It, Has it, it been for, when did he start asking that, Jody? Long time ago. He, yeah. He's never the one to ask the obvious. We always end up asking because we, uh, when we're at those same those same events, is I don't want to know what you do for a living because it's got nothing to do with who you are, right? right? And it's that what are you known for is is, is a perfect way to say it. Our our version is, um, uh, what keeps you busy? What what is it? What what keeps you busy when you lose time? Or what do you what do you distract yourself with? Or what do you, you know? You never want. Where do you say, find flow? Yeah, just just anything that's not. What what do you pay your rent with? What's n- fun for you these what's days? What's fun for you these days? What what Ooh, do you? I like what that. Yeah. Usually, what are you doing down in Ohio? Like, what what keeps you busy in Ohio? Or what do you get? Because because that gives you the opportunity. If you really want to talk about your profession, great. Absolutely, and yeah. I'm going to walk in with that intention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. but but I want to give them the opportunity to say like <laughs> soccer games, <laughs> taking kids right. to soccer games, best right. thing, or you know whatever. What's um. Uh, the fans of the show know that I'm always looking for dragons in these great <laughs> stories. I mean, this is a great story. It's working well. You're on fourth book. It's going to do really well. It's going to be, I mean, come on. It's on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Give me a break. That's awesome. High five for that. You know, that's just all the things that you're doing. So you radiate positivity, all that. There's a dragon here somewhere in the story. Where, where, where's the dragon? There's a dragon that pops up and you just I mean, go. The, the thing I, I mean, want you to can slay. tell us. No one's listening. No one's <laughs> listening. It's, just, no one, it's between it's just, us. It's, it's just, just us. Because so I think that's being in. really honest that, you know, us admitting to our dragons. The one for me is who are you to think that you have something new? Mm. Okay. Who, who, why would someone pick this up? Is this just another you know, every now and then I'll tell someone what I do and I'll see that kind of glimmer of of negative familiarity. Oh, you're one of those motivational speakers or something like that. And okay. and the, the, the thing that I'd like to slay, given the opportunity, is you're enough. Okay. You're enough. Okay. What you did today was the best you could do. If you had a different set of information, if you had other resources, maybe you would have done something different. But that decision you made it was the best you could make with what you had in the moment. Okay. Let's make that okay. And Does see that dragon what we can do come up a tomorrow. lot, or are you you're pretty good at squashing the flames on that dragon? When I see it. When I see it. Jody? I'd say mine is growth. Like Jason mentioned, we've grown. Literally, it used to be he and I, and we would do work with some really large organizations. And you mentioned some military, and there's some sure. other. Sure. How many people in your company? Two. Oh, yeah, you two. Know, you know, when we'd fill out those those forms, like, under 100 employees? Yes, under 100. Because <laughs> two is much less than 100. <laughs> you know, so growing from two to 25 in about a year, year and a half, it's a lot. And one of our goals, one of my goals, was to not have an office where people came to or have people come to our house, you know, or that kind of That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. We came from that. We worked for another training firm where it was run by a married couple, and everybody went to their guest house, and I saw how intrusive it was on their personal life. And Mm. I just said, I'm not interested in that scenario. Yeah. I'm willing to grow a company, but I'd like to do it differently. And with the technology that's available and global teams and hiring companies that just handle one aspect of your company. So we have experts that work on our website. We have experts that help us with content creation. We have experts. Now, where's the dragon in that? I was going to say oh. because I was going to say if you could reference our advisory board and just how significant I think everybody listening get an advisory yeah, yeah. board, get five to ten people with you, I don't know, once every six you know months. There was a TED talk on, uh, that supported having a, your personal board of directors. Oh, I love it. So, and and so, we just did that. So you said growth. 
so yeah, so the advisory so how's board it a made dragon? me cry. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. At a table with nine strangers that uh, some I had never met before. But it, it's because they nailed it on the head. Like, going from Jason and I, we the reason we have a company is we lived within our means. We, we never spent more than we made. For the first time in our company, we've got a big overhead that we've mm. never had before. So that means the expectation is we really need to produce and deliver. Yes. You've and, got obligation to all and, those employees. Yeah. yeah, and so now we've got to, to step up in this whole new way. So that's very scary for me because it's not just, oh, Jason, I can go on a little diet, you know, not go out as much or not do this and that. It's like, oh, no, there's... So this drag, this dragon's all around right now. There's thousands of little dollar dragons all around. Right. It's like, oh, this is a big responsibility that's new for me. Ah. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it... If anybody can figure out how to get past that, it would be you guys, I would think, right? Because you've got there's there's such a obvious open communication between the two of you, and you want the best for her, and, and knowing what that dragon is. Well, yeah, right. That's I mean, the, in, which is ironic in someone who gets hired to help other people. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, your advisors. Um, I call myself a Sherpa, uh, but you know, you still. Coaches need coaches. Yes. I'm, I'm all about that. I'm wary that. of a coach who doesn't have a coach, whether that's for my triathlon, whether it's for my relationship. Yeah. If I go to someone to learn how to be a better speaker, yeah. I want to know who are they learning from. Yeah, and I know exactly who you're talking about. And uh, she's got awesome coaches. We're, we're big fans of coaches. Yeah. We just – I think if – it's interesting. You're both teachers, right? Um, I, I've said long if we took the education coin, the learning coin – one side of it's the teacher and the other side's the student. And if you're a really good student, chances are you'll be a good teacher. And if you're a really good teacher, chances are you're a good student. And if, if learning isn't your thing, which is, you know, there's people that don't really care, they're neither of those. I want to end it there. Uh, I, I want to wish I think you guys. You just, okay. I want to wish you the best on the book, the launch, and all the work, and, and get sleep and uh, get momentum and all of that. We're at the part in the show where we've evaporated. We've actually gone a little over, which was awesome. What are we going to call this show? And I know you've been thinking about this because you know this is coming up, that we were going to call this show something. What is it? Rough draft, learn, teach, get momentum. Rough draft. No, that's my rough draft. <laughs> um, only no, I'm because, using rough draft. Only because I like if, that. I, if I look at what we've done along this way, it's learn. Right. Jody and I had to learn how to sit together, edit each other's papers, go through these. Teach. Yeah. We have to be a model of this and, and, and do right, move. Right, 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 right. Jody? You get a vote. She's thinking. Well, this is the part where she edits out three quarters right, right, of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So he had four words, learn, comma, teach, comma, get momentum. Is that the punctuation? Sure. Yeah. See, we're watching creative tension happen right now. I love this. How do you this deal is with fantastic. conflict? Well, I love we talked about No, it's about not conflict. conflict. It's, right, it's, we talked about conflict. That was a big, like for us, avoiding and managing conflict. So you get a subhead. Avoiding and Pre- managing. Preventing conflict yeah. to get momentum. It's something about Ooh. getting out in front of it, yeah. Yeah. Nice. There's Pre- so much of it we can handle on the front end, so what we do end up 
dealing with is, is so much tinier and, and we're not exhausted from that decision fatigue along the way. I love this. This has been a, this is a, a great show and I, I think that the listener is, there's a lot of takeaways here. Um, they can find you at getmomentum.com. Yes. Good on you for your GoDaddy ability to be able to get that. Um, and then Womack Company, Dot how do com. we spell that? W-O-M-A-C-K company.com and that's and that's the umbrella that's the umbrella over everything so they can find all the other things Uh, any last words thank you for doing what you do thank you Patrick for doing what you do and everybody listening uh, we're a tweet an Instagram or an email away so we'd love to be in touch I love that Um, I want to thank again California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services for actually giving us this platform to be able to have these conversations because they're important and they're important not just for the region but we've got listeners all over the world who are making a difference and uh, that was a big surprise to us and a a welcome one. I also want to thank uh, Patrick and Pullstring Press for the great studio and Cielo24 who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them as well. More information on how you could partner with us or learn more about us at 805connect.com. Patrick, the person who's just invested in an hour in us. <laughs> just uh, under, and thank, yeah. I just want to thank them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first off, yeah. how else could they help us? Well, uh, my, my, always my best advice is if you're a new listener, go back and look through our catalog, listen to some of the past shows, and pull out the ones that you like the most and recommend those to your mom because she always needs a new podcast to listen to. Uh, rate, write, review, tell us what we need to know uh, to make ourselves better. Uh, we love criticism in almost any form, so send it in to us. And uh, yeah, in general, that's does that is that enough, Mark? Does that help? I I, I I think they actually should call their mom. Call their mom. <laughs> Give your right. mom a phone call. Give she's, your mom a call. She's, I guarantee you, she's been waiting all day to hear from you. And uh, she says, "Are you still listening to that radio show?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. So I, you know, I'd love to hear from you personally. Uh, just get in touch with me, Mark at eight hundred five connect dot com. Let me know how we can be helpful. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester your host for 805 Conversations.